And welcome back to CATR 101.9 FM. Um, You're listening to The Real World now. It's that time again, Friday, 11 a.m. It's been a while. Um, I don't think we've had a show since December 6th or something, like a long time. Um, I was gone for holidays and just all that jazz. Um, But we're back. In case you didn't know, Real World is um, the radio show affiliated with UBC Film Society, which is one of the oldest clubs on campus. Um, We're actually having an event tonight. It's our monthly buzzer garden. We're showing The Princess Bride. It's going to be at the Norm Theater at 8 p.m. So if you have nothing to do on this very rainy Friday, um, there's an option for you. Um, It's free with the membership, which costs $5. So make sense of that as you will. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm uh, here with my friend Reed, who's very, very familiar to the show. Hello, everyone. Um, we're going to talk about Parasite, which I'm very excited about. I was very super, super late to watching this. And I don't know. I'm just not on my like movie watching game right now. Like The first movie I watched of 2020 was Cats. And I think that screams everything about me. <laughs> um, just... Just trash. Like, I don't know why I host a, a film talk show, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm trying to be better at it, at least like leading up to the Academy Awards, um, whatever weight those awards hold to you. Regardless, I think it might be worth seeing some of the movies. There's some good um, films. So this 2019 was a good year for film. You think so? I'm actually feeling very like underwhelmed. Really? I mean... I'm just thinking about like some of the best picture nominees and like 1917. Like, did we really need another war film? I'm kind of done with that whole have you seen it, though? genre. I have not, okay, so I well, should not yeah. knock it until I try it, I guess. But like, how many fr- like Dunkirk, all of that kind of stuff? Like, I'm done. I'm done watching all these dudes just like fight on a beach. Yeah, it's fair. That's fair. It, it is. There's not a lot of World War One films, to be honest. That's that's um, what I've heard, I guess. And also, it is like a like cinematography feat that he did in terms of the one take style. Uh, it's quite impressive. Well, but maybe I'll get. Maybe a we shot. can. Maybe maybe that'll be another show we can debate whether you like it or not. Oh yeah, <laughs> perhaps. Um, I still really want to see like Little Women. I haven't seen that yet. Um. Yeah, Parasite, I was really, really late getting to. When did that come out? Uh, so it premiered in... In September? No, no, technically in May at Cannes. Which okay, it, which, well, I wasn't there really. Yeah, no, so no, no, I'm just saying, like... For all of us peasants. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see it there either. I was there, but it... Uh, yeah, so it premiered and won uh, the Palme d'Or at Cannes and then went on and got a wide release in Korea initially did really really well and then started doing uh your other festivals throughout the fall mm-hmm. i think it actually it premiered at vif um or not technically premiered uh, i think maybe canadian premiere at vif this right. year uh won won an award at vif so probably sometime in september october and then i got a wide release like north america so yeah i remember it was kind of like a similar time when joker was in i think around then theaters yeah and i watch joker but not parasite unfortunately yeah um but yeah it's kind of i think now that all of the academy award nominees are out and stuff like that it's i think the buzz around it has kind of picked up again definitely yeah um it won won two golden globes no sorry one golden globe for best foreign film mm-hmm. it was uh it, it also won some screen actors guild award actually it was the first time a foreign film has won screen actors guild award oh wow um for best ensemble cast which was amazing they, right. they were yeah they were really really good and then it's nominated for best foreign film best foreign film best the director Academy award, best director and best film and, oh and best and film best overall film. wow yeah, okay. overall, yeah so right. it's similar to like roma last year right um, did Roma win Best Film? No. So Alfonso Cuaron won uh, Best Foreign Film and Best Director last oh, year. Oh, okay, gotcha. Which you know, yeah, you I remember that was pretty huge. Could see a similarity this year, but we did a um, we did a show on Roma last year. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. So I just watched it last night, snuggled in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I got to see it like in theaters, um, but it was still pretty cool just watching it in my own space and. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I didn't get to see it in theaters either. Um, actually, it was the first time I watched it was 
half on a plane and half at home. Oh, that's really bad. That's like <laughs> a four inch by three inch screen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. It was on my computer. Oh, it was okay. on my laptop. So I was, was like, a, well, plane movies are not that good. No, no yeah, one no, has no, that no. selection. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't that. Uh, it was on my laptop. So it was a bit bigger. And then once I got home, I turned it onto a TV and then I watched it again last night. Um, so it's two times now. That's, that's I think that's the appropriate amount of times to watch a movie and like start absorbing things. I yeah. definitely like kind of zone out a little the first time through no yeah, matter what the film is. have had less than 24 hours to digest it. Which like I always think is a good thing for this show because it's really fresh in my mind and like all of the imagery is still very I don't know stuck in my head or like affects my dreams or something like that. I don't know but yeah. Um, one quick thing before we really dive in, I just wanted to point out that we are in the middle of the 24 hours of student power. Um, so I think it started at 9 p.m. last night and will end at 9 p.m. today. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of really great student-run programming today, including our show. Me and Reed are both UBC students. Surprise! Um, but yeah, tune in all day today. It's going to be good stuff. And um, yeah, back to Parasite. Get at it. So I am a very irresponsible movie watcher and did not write down too much, but just kind of like some key images that I was drawn to or just like certain plot points and stuff like that. So if there's anywhere you want to start in particular or if we want to give some kind of brief synopsis kind of thing. I think synopsis is good for those. I mean, I mean. We always get into spoilers anyway, so it's kind of like yeah. Uh, and and at this point, I'm like, I feel like most people have yeah. It has seen been it. A who while. like movies. Yeah, it has been stuff. a while. Yeah, exactly. Like so. I, this is very very late. Yeah. but in time for awards season. Yeah, for like sure, that. it's still relevant. Um, so I guess um, my rendition of the plot is gonna be um, the Kim family, who is like mom, dad, son, daughter, um, are very poor. They live in like a semi basement, um, and then. The son, Ki... Ki-woo. Oh, is that? oh, that's the son, yeah, Ki-woo. Yeah. Um, his friend, who is college student and tutors um, the daughter of this very wealthy family, is leaving to study abroad, and he gives Ki-woo this opportunity to take over his tutoring position. Um, so Ki-woo does this, you know, passes the, the mother's test of approval to tutor her daughter, and then slowly, like, this family begins to infiltrate the park family yeah um who's this very wealthy like living in this gorgeous old architect's house kind of thing and um, i think it's important to mention that so like min kibu's friend is a college student is going abroad is qualified mm-hmm. uh, whereas kibu like forged his documents like right. failed four entrance exams for university not like that's that probably has other reasonings and things but uh isn't in university mm-hmm. And so faked it to get this job, and then the family continues to, to fake Yeah, so they keep making these, like, it. recommendations for people that they know for an art teacher who Kiwoo's sister, um, Ki Jung, takes the role of. Um, and then the family needs a driver, so they suggest their dad, not as their dad, but as a professional driver. And then finally the housekeeper, um, they kick her out, so they move in the mother yeah. as the housekeeper. So this whole family has completely just infiltrated the park's home without Mm -hmm. their knowing that they're related and any of that um so that really i think ties into like the title of the whole film parasite Parasite, as they develop this very like symbiotic relationship just Mm -hmm. like leeching off of the park family's wealth yeah i mean the whole the whole concept of of parasite is actually really interesting through the film because you can kind of see uh, not only qualities of it, like, I think qualities of it in like all the families, uh, including including the one the the basement dwellers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so, so I think that's that's really interesting that it's not just like oh this is about this one family who's parasitic to another like it's kind of a it's a weird relationship between all parties involved in the film. Right, there is a huge huge cast. Yeah. Um. So at some point in the film. The Kim family is just hanging out in the house while the parks are away camping. Um, and they discover that there are people living in the basement of the home. So it's the the old housekeeper. Um, her husband has just been in the basement for years. And she was, like, bringing him food and, and things like that to keep him alive. And they were hiding from loan sharks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so then the Kims discover them and they're like really appalled with this, what's happening, even though they are themselves participating in their own kind of parasitic, mm-hmm. you know, activities. Um, well, it's because it's kind of like you got to look out for yourself sort of thing. Like they, I'm sure they kind of realize that, but they're like, if you're if you're here then we could get caught right like, neither you know, party yeah, wants no, to be compromised no, so both exactly. kind of see each other as a threat and it's it's also kind of climbing that ladder of of opportunity in class to like mm-hmm. what who who can grab the most and the uh, from the fruit branches above you know right stepping on each other to grab yeah so and it's interesting too to see like the kim's judgments that they put upon the basement dwellers i think the the housekeeper um or like the wife of the two of the couple that is living there is Moon Guang, and then her husband is Gunsei. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once the Kims find out that that they're like running from loan sharks and stuff like this, you kind of see their own judgments come out as as the basement dwellers are even lower. Yeah. Than themselves, you yeah. know, who we already as viewers see as like very very low well, in this yeah, class it's, system. It's that's also playing out. it's also bec- it's the whole like sympathy thing too. Is like we're introduced to these characters and we and you have the whole plot of them getting into the family. Like you want them to succeed while they're also kind of doing this pretty shitty thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but then you see these other people you don't know that much who are like, oh, they're also leeching off of this family. So who, where do your loyalties lie, kind of? Right, yeah, a, we're not really, really driven to sympathize with anyone in particular. Like, we see the good and bad, I think, of each family. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's kind the... kind of drawing our own conclusions about that's it. That's the really interesting thing, too, because, like, I've read discussions on it who people are, like, very sympathetic for the, for the Park family. And, like, for me as a viewer, I didn't quite get that. Like, I understood where that where that because they're being manipulated because they're being manipulated and they're being taken advantage of mm-hmm. and blah blah but there's also the whole thing is like w- yeah but they're also there's a conversation in the in the film uh with the kim family when they're talking they're like oh yeah they're really nice you know they're they're, they're nice and then the wife says um yeah they're nice because they're rich mm. and it's like well yeah so i i wrote that down too actually that like because they're rich they get to be nice. Yeah, but they're also the but they also have this this strange um, sensibility. The whole thing with crossing the line, like that's something that Mr. Park brings up a lot. Mm-hmm. About how you either you either don't cross the line or you cross the line um, with their with their help generally, and that's a lot. That's a r- large part of the reason why their old help got fired and why the Kim family moved in. Right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of I guess overall what the whole thing is about and we'll get into kind of deeper elements i guess um yeah is there anywhere in particular you want to start i literally my bullet points are so bad they're just like sewage water classism the basement (laughs) i don't remember what i was thinking when i wrote this uh yeah i was trying to find a jumping in point um we've kind of touched on all these um I get there's a there's an interesting I guess we could kind of talk just generally before we go into plot more about kind of the tonal shifts and the way that uh, Bong Joon Ho's like crafted this story. Mm-hmm. Um, how how would you describe the genre? Well, like what would your be your? I guess dark comedy. Yeah, yeah, I w- I would agree. I think that's like how it's labeled on on like wikipedia right Um, but even though it is that like there's a definitive point where you're not laughing anymore no you know like and i i think that's so kind of masterful to be able to to so you know distinctly draw that line yeah where like i i was laughing and like having a good time for a a good portion of the movie yeah and then at a certain point you're just like whoa this is really real and it's not tonal shift in the sense when you're watching a film you're like what's happening like Mm -hmm you know it just changes all of a sudden and it's kind of awkward it's a tonal shift like it's rhythm like it, it is a rhythmic tonal shift where everything leads to the next uh very very well mm-hmm. yeah for like for example when the housekeeper comes back um that night they're, they're kind of joking around everything's going well so far they've completely infiltrated the park family uh they're they're joking around they're drinking and then and then the housekeeper comes back and things get kind of eerie kind of creepy slowly because they're still kind of funny when they're talking on the video monitor and she's and you know she's caught in the rain 
uh, which is also another kind of symbolic right. thing. We can, sure. get to that. Yeah, we can get to that. <laughs> uh, so she's caught in the rain, and they're looking down on her like, oh, who's this? Like, why is she? What mm-hmm. is she doing? Like, dirty, you know, which is funny, funny tonal shift, like, just like that. Or not tonal shift, but almost class shift immediately right there. And then things start to, start yeah. to go from there. I think something that really struck me at that point was um, when they're talking to her on the little monitor. I don't yeah, know what you call video that. monitor, yeah. Um, and then the son, uh, Kiwu, he says something like, this was not part of the plan. Like yeah. he whispers that to his family. Yeah. And then I think from that point, like this idea of a plan and everything keeps coming up. Yeah, it does. Um, because everything is just starting to unravel and, you know, they're just holding on by the edges of their seat. Whereas before it was very, everything was very calculated and they kind of had it in the bag, you know? Yeah. No, yeah, it was. I, I just, yeah, they did. Everything went very smoothly. Uh, it was... And like according to plan, mm-hmm. um, they had scripts set out. Yeah, they we had, see them rehearsing their they, parts. Yeah, they had, exactly. Uh, that's a that's a like amazing scene. Uh, um, it's actually uh, speaking of that, there was so I give credit to to uh, nerd writer the YouTuber. I'm not sure you know him, but he does like film analysis. Okay, I think really I've seen good. Yeah. Um, so this isn't my original idea, but he does that that montage of when. Um, they're trying to get rid of the housekeeper. So it's like the final boss, right? Right. Um, and it's actually a montage of 60 shots in five minutes that he does. Um, and so it's like some of them are quicker, some of them are longer, but it's 60 shots that goes from the setup of the plan of getting rid of the housekeeper. So showing like she's allergic to peaches, blah, 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 mm-hmm. to right at the end um, when like it's... Uh, Mr. Kim or the father like holding the bloody or the fake bloody Kleenex out of the garbage like from that point to that point it's like 60 shots and it happens like and it's and only in five minutes and the way because it's so many shots in such a little time it like rhythmically continues the plot uh, and continues the story in such like a complex like heist kind of thing that mm-hmm. they're doing um, is done so incredibly well. Yeah, so. I guess heist is a good word for it. That makes That's, me think of those kinds of like Ocean's Eleven yeah, yeah. montages where like everyone's doing their part, everyone's playing their role, yeah. and all these like little bits and pieces are coming together to kind of, you know, reinforce this this big mission. Yeah, and I mean that's why I was asking about genre too because I would it, like yeah, so it's a it's a dark comedy, but it's also like when I've talked to people about it, I'm like yeah, so it's like a dark comedy but it's also a thriller and it's also kind of a heist movie mm-hmm. like it's kind of so it's strange yeah i think it thinking about it in the perspective of a heist movie is interesting too because like plans are really 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 integral to mm-hmm. the heist movie genre yeah. Yeah. and everything going according to plan yeah anything for the most part a lot of heist movies like things turn out well yeah for everyone right even yeah. if even if the plan kind of changes or whatever there'll be it's, a, it's in either a th- in the third act or like end of the second act they always be something, knew there'll be yeah, something there's some but, kind of twist but where then, they preempted it and yeah. they, they knew that the plan would change yeah. and it's only us as the viewers who think that everything's going wrong yeah exactly but in this one like it actually is going wrong yeah, yeah. so there's no and I think wow that really lines up with what the, the father is saying when they're in that gym taking shelter from the storm after yeah. their house has been flooded and um, the son Q he asks his dad like dad you mentioned you had a plan mm-hmm. what is it and his dad is like I I don't have one. Like the only way to have a plan is to, to not, not have, have one yeah. because it will go wrong. Yeah. Which is all, like, it's a, it's a, that's an interesting mentality. Cause like he shows or he's reacting to th- that, like this happened. Like we had a plan and it didn't work out. And mm-hmm. so now that's why we are. So like in a sense, he's right. But also in a sense, it does kind of show his, um, I'm trying to think of a word, but d- d- uh, lack of like action. Both both Mr. Kim and Mrs. Kim, like both both the parents, in a sense that you know, like they they were unemployed and, and struggling to get by, and it was the kids who kind of took the initiative to to get these things going and kind of get the family out of where they were. Right. Um. So it's also it's another interesting. Uh, relationship between that Mm -hmm. between those those four yeah i think going back to like tonal shift kind of stuff um i think that point like once the housekeeper has 
gotten back in and the whole family is hiding from the parks who have unexpectedly returned from their camping trip. Um, this is also where we really see the father, Mr. Kim, like break. Mm. Yeah. Do we want to jump into that scene? Maybe we'll take a quick break and then um, we'll come back to that since that is some pretty heavy stuff. <laughs> um, we'll, yeah, we'll go to a couple of songs and all that good stuff. And we will be right back. Um, first song I'm going to start you off with is Too Soft to Chew by Ian Sweet. So, um, yeah, we'll be back in a sec. Maybe I'll change the song, actually, because I don't know where it is. Yeah, we're going to start into Silver and Terrain by Luna Lee. Um, I just found Luna Lee, actually, who is super cool and is from Toronto. And I don't know. I just love seeing like people Toronto. my age who are killing it, doing like cool garage rock kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll be right back. Time to get spruced up. This Saturday on January 25th, UBC's Forestry Undergraduate Society is hosting their annual Spruced Up event at Castaway Bar in Kitsilano. Get dressed up, listen to live DJ sets, and have some food and drinks with friends. The event starts at 8 p.m. and goes on until 1. Tickets are $25 and includes a free drink. You can get your ticket at the door or go to Forest Science Center Student Services to grab one on campus. 
All proceeds go towards this year's graduating class. See y'all at Castaway Bar at 8 on Saturday. Fundrive 2020, CITR's annual fundraiser extravaganza is almost upon us. This year's theme is Crush on CITR. And since we deal primarily in sound around here, we started wondering, what does a crush sound like? Hey, do you want to make out? It's like that um, filter on Instagram. It's like... Well, um, as great as those answers were, uh, we're kind of hoping this year a crush sounds a bit more like... Because your donations are what allow us to do, well, almost everything. Hosting free radio and podcast trainings, publishing the amazing Discorder magazine, producing local independent news, promoting and playing local music, and so much more. Our Fundrive goal is to reach $30,000 by February 14th. You can show your crush on CITR right now by visiting citr.ca slash donate.
welcome back to CITR 101.9 FM. Um, you're listening to The Real World again. And we're here with uh, 24 Hours of Student Power. So all day today, you're going to be hearing some amazing student programming. Yay. Um, anyways, if you missed us earlier, we were talking about Parasite. Um, we were talking about something really intense before this. What was it? It was uh, the moment that we think Mr. Kim kind of had that profound, uh, I guess, realization that that he was of a completely different class than Mr. Park. Right, right, right. So, yeah, we left off talking about tonal shift kind of stuff. Um, so there's this part when... The Kim family is in the Parks house and then the Parks come home early and the son, daughter and father Mm -hmm. of the Kims are like hiding under this table, this coffee table, while Mr. and Mrs. Parker lying on this couch, like watching their son who's outside in his like little tent. Yeah. Um, And then Mr. Park is talking about Mr. Kim's smell. Yeah. So this is it's this thing. Did it? Yeah, it came it's up, come it's up come before. Up before film, so it's yeah. this thing that, and whether like, he goes into a bit detail. Like it's like an old radish, um, like a boiled like rag. Like you smell it. Uh, smell it from people who ride the subway. Yeah, blah, 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 like these sort of things. It's like, just just very defining uh, things of like elitism, class elitism, mm-hmm. um, coming from Mr. Park, uh, and. Yeah, and so he's talking about this this smell because he smells it because they're underneath the coffee table right in front of them, and they don't know that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of the most like like of course we understand that the Parks are very upper class yeah. and like very aware of their class as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is the most kind of explicit expression of that since they don't know that the Kim family is is hiding there. Yeah. So we see this kind of just raw dialogue, um, kind of behind closed doors monologue from Mr. Park yeah. about Mr. Kim's smell, which like, yes, at the surface is just a smell, but that really kind of like permeates the entire film, right? Yeah. And even earlier it's mentioned, and the daughter, Ki Jung, um, the family is discussing, they're like, oh, should we all buy different laundry detergent? Like, should we wash our clothes separately? They notice, the family is noticing that we all smell the same. Yeah. Um, and the daughter, Ki Jung, she says, they're all wondering what the smell is. And she says, it's the semi-basement smell. Yeah. Like, it's what you smell like it's not living like, in a basement. It, yeah, exactly. It's not about, and that's, it's also kind of symbolic, whatever. It's, it's not about what soap we use or or the fact that it's where it, you live it's where you live and where you come from mm-hmm. and yeah what class you're in like that's she, she's pretty aware of it's not there's nothing almost nothing they can do about it kind of thing which is sucks but yeah yeah so it's interesting how all these like methods are built in for for viewers to understand the kind of like class struggle here without it ever being explicitly stated no it's a, it's a story about two families and and then it keeps it keeps kind of coming back though, but ex- like explicitly, it it, it doesn't uh, come out too strong. It's just lots of little things. That, yeah, just peppered in there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in that same scene where Mr. Park is talking about Mr. Kim's smell and all of that, um, obviously Mr. Park and Miss Park are not aware that all of them are under the coffee table, and they um they're getting a little frisky. And and they do this really I thought this was one of the most interesting <laughs> scenes in the movie, to be honest. But they start this like really weird role play, like classist role play yeah. where they're pretending like like Mr. Park pre- I think he's himself. I think Mr. Park's himself, but he's like he's saying oh, it would really it would really turn me on if you went and got those what do you say, cheap cheap panties yeah that uh were that ki jong like, left in the yeah. old driver's car to get him fired to get him fired yeah and so and they think that it was that the old driver was you know having sex with a girlfriend in the car or whatever and that she might have been on drugs or something and this eroused mr park yeah and then mrs park right. tells him like buy me drugs yeah then, yeah and it's just and it's, it's just sort so of like weird, weird disconnect like completely like disconnected like role play like it, and it very very much role play because it's like 
almost humor right but in a sense like very cheesy kind of like oh, buy me drugs like being being these other characters and yeah and then the whole time the kim family is listening to this yeah. and Underneath. i think yeah i think that really adds to the whole like breaking point for mr kim in that like their lives are made into this kind of caricature or like joke yeah i guess sort of like fetishism as well yeah like they nothing they do is really real and it's just i don't know like a a plot point to to the parks yeah um yeah i don't know i really really liked that scene it was so so interesting to like take that and make it into like this sexual thing it was yeah and like fetishization in a very very real literal Kind of I, I think fetishization comes back in in the fetishization of the upper class as well, um, from the whole sense that like, uh, first of all, the the husband living in the basement um, was it Din Dinsei you said? The husband. Yeah. Oh, uh, Gunsei. Gunsei. Um, the whole his whole fetishization of Mr. Park and 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 uh, his his sort of obsession almost with mm-hmm. Mr. Park is also a t- form of fetishization. Right. So the husband who's in living in the basement, he is just, yeah, very fixated on this idea of like paying respect to Mr. Park since respect. he's housing him, which yeah. I don't know if you can really call it that since he is not aware that he lives yeah, there. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, he like can control some of the light panels from the basement. So, so he turns the lights on for him. And it's funny. Cause like, I don't know if the parks just think it's motion sensor or something. Yeah, like that. I, I would definitely question that if it was happening in my own home. Yeah, but exactly. But it's like every time he passes under this light, when he comes home every day, this guy is like, he's put he's pressing this three different light switches. So one's on, one's off, mm-hmm. one's off as he walks up these stairs. And there's a bunch of great shots of this happening. Yeah. Uh, and those lights come back, obviously, in the film as well. Right, they of, are very important later on. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be worth also talking about, we were kind of talking about um, rain and that kind of thing during the break. Um, I wanted to focus a bit on the scene where the Kim family escapes um, the park's house, being undetected, and they're just running through this crazy storm to get back to their home. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, so much rain there's a shot of the sun. Um, Kiwu, he's he just looks down at his feet, and his sneakers are just you know like ankle deep. Yeah, this in is this is right before. So there's a bunch of shots of them leading like running across town mm-hmm. because like, I don't even know if they took the subway. Like they had to just kind of run. Through yeah, the they're rain just on all foot. Back. Yeah, um, and this is almost right before they get home, and it's just the steps leading down even more, and it's a lot of steps. The whole uh, like sequence is, is a lot of different levels and things you see the city mm-hmm. and then another more steps down into deeper deeper kind of s- slums or, or of of the city and uh the rain just pouring over right his, over yeah so there's this like obvious metaphor going on of them going down all of these stairs yeah. lower and lower and lower and lower and then finally we reach their neighborhood which is just completely flooded um people are you know panicking and rushing to get valuables out of their houses and stuff like that um and even worse it's sewage water yeah as yeah. we see once they like enter the home yeah and they're trying to just like fish stuff out of this water and, that and is all the way up to their necks by the end of it yeah and mr kim tells ki jung to like stay back i don't know if she comes into the house she does oh, she does, she does because yeah. she goes yeah, yeah yeah but at first he's like it's all sewage water like don't stay back like it's disgusting um but i think and their their window was open as well right. in the semi-basement so this means that it's pouring in from kind of street level yeah uh yeah i think good. my my favorite shot of all of that is when the daughter ki jong she makes her way to the bathroom which even from the beginning i thought it was so interesting how the toilet is on this it's, like raised it's the highest level point in the in the, in the basement in the yeah, yeah the exactly. toilet is like closest to the window yeah um, so the toilet has not yet been submerged by the flooding, but we just like see the shot of the bathroom and there's just, you know, brown water spewing out of the toilet, like projectile kind of thing. And then um, Ki Jung comes in and she's holding the toilet lid down. She like fishes up in this sh- this shelf for a, just up, a pack of cigarettes. Ceiling. Yeah, up in the ceiling. Oh, it's she up had, in the ceiling. Yeah. It, yeah. And then she just like lights a cigarette. And is sitting on top of this toilet lid mm-hmm. while like water is trying to get out of it, and yeah. 
everything is just flooded around her and she just has this like totally chill just very nonchalant just like kind of I don't know if it's like it's almost like resignation what's going on like just yeah after all that too after being in the house and everything it's like just need a cigarette (laughs) like yeah um but also there's juxtaposition with with that with that shot with the toilet with the sewage spraying out of the toilet Mm -hmm. um and then also back at the park house the old housekeeper had just been like concussed basically and she's feeling very dizzy and at the same time there's uh, sewage spewing out of the kim's toilet at home she's spewing into the toilet in the basement uh being very sick and basically she's dying right yeah she she dies at the end yeah um but she's basically dying from this blow to the head that happened during their their Mm -hmm. uh, brawl earlier yeah so they're drawing really like interesting ties between the families and what's happening in that moment yeah and then yeah and so and the rain is also symbolic in the whole class thing class structure as well because it's about how the two families view it so for one it ruined a a camping trip right Um, that's why the parks end up coming home early so lots of rain they come home no big deal you know Mm -hmm. they have a they have a big nice house that's up on a hill that uh, they're not gonna be affected by the rain in fact the next morning uh, when they decide to have the party and everything like that, uh, Mrs. Park goes, "Oh yeah, the rain, the rain cleared all the all away all the pollution. Like it's a beautiful day. Like that's what it is to them. Whereas you see how different it is to not only the the Kim family but everyone in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, people are sleeping in the gym, and and as she's picking out clothes in her walk-in closet the next morning, other people are auctioning and picking from piles that's in this gym that right. of, of of what they can grab." It's very, very interesting. Yeah, that's true, actually. I don't think I was actively thinking about that. Yeah, I I, I only noticed that in my second mm-hmm. second time. Um, but I was like, that was, that was a really cool shot. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe the party scene will leave. Till the end. Till the end. Um, I kind of was a little bit confused by the, the rock. Mm-hmm. Like, what it symbolizes or anything. Yeah. So, in the, in the world of the film... It symbolize like what Min says to them is that it symbolizes um, like wealth and good fortune, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I forget the name of what they are, um, but they are quite a big thing in in Korea, uh, South Korea, about uh, and the people collect them and they are up for good luck. And uh, so they're f- river stones. They're formed by being in riverbeds and the water. Uh, like forming them like that so that's why they have those patterns kind of erosion Um, and so that's also comes back to water and the way way that water forms it and everything so it was meant to bring like wealth and good luck and Mm so uh, Kiwu when he gets the gift he's like oh how how meta like this is you know it's very nice and then realizes that with with that rock with that gift also comes the proposition of the job that Min talks to him a bit later so these things work out it's almost and then also continuing later on um he he saves it in the flood um but the interesting thing is that like what i noticed is that it's, it's floating. floating it's almost like it's fake or yeah like hollow or, or ho- exactly so it's like it's not because a real like a real stone because there's also fakes of these items that because they're quite popular items so so it's like what but it, it's not, that's not really clear, and it might not be fake because it also damages his head quite badly. Yeah. Right later, so it, it kind of depends um, how you want to look at it. Like, is it fake? But he he does say that it's attached to him. Almost yeah, in a it sense. clings to it him. It clings to him, like like a parasite. First mm-hmm. of all, so so like, is it this opposite of good fortune? Is it this almost bad fortune? Yeah, or maybe even like clings a, to him a concept of wealth yeah. or like this ideal yeah. of wealth that doesn't really like add up in the end. Yeah, exactly. Almost like he, yeah. I, I think also even an ideal of wealth or or a, or a kind of a far gone dream and that relates to the end as well. Mm-hmm. His, whole, his whole plan. Um, we have 15 minutes left that so we can Maybe we'll tackle the ending now. Tackle the ending? There's a lot happening there. I, in my head, I, not that I thought this was a horror movie, but I was kind of like waiting for the scary stuff to happen. Mm. 
Um, it and it's like it's pretty chill. You're chilling out, and yeah. then yeah, it's like at the end in this party scene when the Parks are throwing this like birthday party for Da Song, their son. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gun Say, who's like the husband that was living in the basement, has just you know brutally. I, I thought he killed um, the, the son, Kibu. Yeah, because yeah, he hits him in the head with the yeah. No, yeah, rock. you think you, you you do like think he's it's dead, way too much. much blood. He definitely like should have died. Yeah. Um. But anyways, he. But also, I think maybe he didn't die because maybe it was hollow. Oh so my gosh! It wow. Like, it wasn't like enough like for. We're neck so. deep in this. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. That was that was a that was a little theory. <laughs> well, conspiracy theory for you. <laughs> um. But yeah, he comes out of the basement. He has like blood all over his face. The whites of his eyes are just like so strong, mm-hmm. and and also we know that that Da Song, the young son of the Park family, has seen this man before when yeah. he was younger, he and he thought it basement. was like yeah, a ghost in his house. And he had a, a an episode like a, a seizure from right. kind of shock or whatever. So that was my first thought when I see Gunsei leaving the basement. I'm like, okay, this kid's gonna, gonna see him again. Yeah, this whole thing's happening. So he comes out to the like this garden party with this knife, and from there it's just yeah. like utter chaos. And the blood on his face too is like because I think because he'd been tied up, but he'd still been uh, sent. He's been trying to communicate with Dasong or Mr. Park, mm-hmm. like using Morse code on the lights. So he's been smashing his face against the 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 light switch. So it's all covered in blood. So he looks insane. Yeah. And he's coming out. Comes out with a knife. I don't even remember what happens first. Like, so oh, he stabs. He comes out the knife and he stabs Kijong. Kijong, um, who's holding Da Song's birthday cake. Yeah, because she's been quite an important part of the family and for mm-hmm. Da Song and everything. So, like, that was a, like a, a nice moment, or could have been a nice moment. Um, but then he comes and he stabs her, and then I gu- I guess Mr. Kim, who is supposed to be part of the presentation, cake presentation, whatever. Mm-hmm comes running out and immediately obviously goes to his daughter's aid right it kind of revealing the the facade the family, the, dynamic the family like this is like oh these aren't all separate help yeah people. and then like, we hear of, mr kim yell out to mrs kim like honey yeah 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 so like yeah it's starting to be revealed that they're all related yeah and then so and then mrs kim her first instinct as a pretty pretty badass mom, honestly, like, and she was an Olympic athlete as well. Yeah. Her first thing is she grabs an axe because they because the rich family was just chopping wood for fun because mm-hmm. <laughs> rich people stuff. <laughs> uh, like she grabs the axe and um goes and goes and attacks. Uh, yeah, she's Kijun. super super brave. Yeah, yeah, I know. But that's also like that the mother, motherly, motherly instincts. instincts yeah, thing, exactly. Right. Um, immediately goes and and attacks him and they get into a struggle um meanwhile you see from mr kim's perspective some panic going on um the daughter the park's daughter uh is carrying kiwu on her back and, and he's, he's just covered, covered in, in blood. blood he's like what is going on uh mrs kim and uh and the, the attacker fighting on the ground and meanwhile as soon as he stabbed uh kijang the dasong has a seizure yeah so he's in shock and they're just trying to get him to the hospital at that point yeah. so mr park is like mr kim you need to drive us to the yeah. hospital like we can't wait for an ambulance yeah and, and he's mr. wondering kim, why yeah, he's at the aid of of uh jessica of Ki-jung, yeah, yeah his daughter who's his daughter but yeah. obviously the parks don't know that so mr kim's kind of in shock and not moving like he's gonna stay with his daughter so then Mr. Park just asks for the keys. And he throws them, and they go underneath the... The the, uh, the body, the of, body. of Guanse, who yeah. ends up being skewered by a literal meat skewer yeah. um, by the mother, by Mrs. Kim, which was, like, so badass. That what, was pretty crazy. Yeah. That shot, too, just goes through Yeah, like, like it, it had to already... It's, of course, it's a meat skewer that already has sausages on it yeah, and everything. Yeah. I'm like, wow, perfect. And there's a little scene of the dog licking the meat after. Like, yeah. Of the, ugh, <laughs> it's Yet another parasite. <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, this is when it... Was this is when it finally... This is the, the tipping point. This yeah. is the tipping point because when... In a... Like, a, like, it had to happen, but it's also kind of ridiculous. Mr. Park, when grabbing the keys covers his nose because he smells the smell uh, the smell of 
the lower class, the smell right. of the smell of the Kims, um, the smell of mm-hmm. well, that he doesn't like. Which we me and we talked about before the show that like just how hyperbolic this is that like nobody would hold their nose while they like lift a dead body to get car keys. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely like important. And and at that point, you kind of see Mr. Kim snap. And as uh, Mr. Park is getting the keys, Mr. Kim grabs a knife and just stabs him right in the chest. Yeah, the knife that Ki Jung was stabbed with. And, right. And he runs at him and stabs him. And then and then it goes from there. And then it gets all... I, I didn't know where it was going from there, to be honest. Yeah. So after that, um, Mr. Kim goes into hiding. Like, he yeah. hides in the basement yeah. forever. And then... Um, Kiwu and his mother are put on trial, but they given just probation. Probation, um, so they don't get anything for the fraud or anything. And obviously, they weren't involved in any sort of murder or right. Um, so that that all that happens, and uh, Kiwu keeps going to the house and observing the house, and then sees his father giving Morse code, sending him a message saying, mm-hmm. "I'm all right, blah blah blah, I'm okay," um, and. Basically, like, this is where I am, and I'm doing okay. I hope you you and your mother are okay, and, you know, maybe I'll see you. Maybe I won't have a good life. Yeah. And Kiwu goes home and decides to write a message back, and then goes into this sort of dream sequence of... I love this. It's a really, really nice scene, but also tore my heart open. Yeah, no, it it is very, very Because he's like, he's like, Dad, like, I'm going to get rich. Uh, I'm going to work very hard. I'm going to, I'm going to get, like, all the money, and I'm going to buy this house. And me and mom are going to move in and all you have to do, like, we're going to be out in the backyard and all you have to do is walk up those yeah, steps. Yeah, so we see this entire, like, dream sequence happening yeah, of him. Q and his and his mom in the backyard of that house and his father emerging. And part mm. of me, I think, I thought it was real for a second. Like, Same. I thought this was a future, I, I, I miss, a flash yeah, future I, I, type first, of thing. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, um, wow, like, you know, maybe this this film can kind of yeah, end nicely. Yeah, I was like, oh, like, wrap up. Yeah, like, it's, that's, that's good. But also, you realize... Uh, kind of how unattainable, unattainable that is. It's actually the, so it it isn't the name of the song, but the original title of that song that plays over that scene was going to be. Uh, I was reading this was going to be five hundred and sixty years. That was going to be the name of the song mm-hmm. because uh, Bong Joon Ho kind of estimated whatever did get good math about how that's how long Kibu would have had to work oh to be able to afford really that house or or, or just that. That sta- that status, mm-hmm. uh, just based on where he was and what kind of job he could get, and blah blah blah, and so f- yeah, five hundred sixty years, and that kind of even makes it makes it even worse or, or drives it home more. Yeah, it is such a like twisted ending, and that like we're given this kind of little beacon of hope. Yeah. I think we see this kind of determination in Kiwu, yeah, um, and, and like a, a kind of seriousness about him. Yeah, that like, like before going, like they always they joke yeah. about wealth, like yeah. they have fun with it, they like drink all the nice alcohol in the park's home. But yeah. now it's like yeah. the stakes are so so high. Yeah. Um, but also like the possibility of that becoming a reality is so so low. So low. Yeah, it's really, really heart wrenching. And the sequence ends while um, like the dream the dream ends with them hugging and it goes back and it's snowing outside and you see the semi basement and he's finishing up his letter and he goes until then you know take care mm-hmm. see you later yeah and so i think we we know like we know like this isn't gonna happen like until then yeah yeah his father's probably just gonna die in that basement yeah well i think there were people in it but they're not gonna be people forever but in the home. Yeah. I guess he has to technically die in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and on that heavy note. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, solid film. I, uh, personally, my favorite of 2019, honestly. Um, I saw I saw a lot. I don't even remember what I watched in 2019. But um, that, was, that was up there. I think I just never like expected a story like that or or the way it was told or something like everything about it just felt super fresh and I think also like the reception has been really interesting like so many people are very 
I don't know. What was that? What what award ceremony was that at where Bong Joon-ho says that thing about the two-inch subtitles? Like, I see that everywhere now. And part of me is a little like, okay, like, why weren't we appreciating foreign films up until now? Like, why is this the one that, like, breaks the surface, you know? Yeah. Which I guess is, like, good regardless, even though that's long overdue. For sure. But but that's been, like, also an interesting, like, kind of reception process to watch. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, the awards season always get political and things like that as well. Yeah. So with this, it's... But this is, I mean, this is a, a good reason to get, like, get behind foreign films for sure. Like, there's, it's it's true. Like, if you can get over the fact that you're just reading two inches of subtitles and there's still all this amazing cinematography and story and film behind but that. But, like, I, I, no one's ever said that about, like, Godard or, like, any French filmmaker. You know, like, yeah. so many American or Canadian well, the still, like, film still, like, people film buffs. Still... Yeah, but film people, though, that's the thing. I think, like, Parasite was actually opened up to quite a larger audience, though, in terms yeah. of like, popularity, I think. But in the ways that just, just certain cultures, quote, foreign films, yeah. are much more, like, glorified yeah. in in film academia yeah. and, like, just film sure. world. More so than especially, like, Asian countries yeah. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But, like, I don't um, know if now it's, like, becoming quote on trend or what but like i guess either way it's it's good that this exposure is finally happening it's good yeah and there's a lot of talent out there yeah so three oscar nominations um yeah we'll see how it goes i would if you're filling out a ballot i would definitely put uh one for best foreign film i think that's a shoe win the others are kind of up in the air but yeah yeah I don't know what we're going to do for our next film, but um, maybe we'll do like another Academy Award nominee. I don't know how on on theme I'm feeling with that. But um, yeah, we'll you'll be hearing from us soon. Um, yeah. Enjoy the rest of the 24 hours of student power and we'll see you next Have week or next, next week or something. Yeah. Happy weekend. Bye bye. Bye. ancestral and unceded territory of the Musqueam people here on UBC's Point Grey campus. Uh, This is 24 Hours of Student Power. This is a really wonderful day that we have every year where we showcase student achievement on campus because there's a lot of really cool things that are